0: Well, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. We have a guest today. We do. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Everyone, that is uh, Penelope Phippen, Uh someone I've actually been friends with for a long time in the, the Ruby community.
1: We once paired at a
0: RailsConf on some RSpec code. It Ruby was
1: RubyConf Ruby in Miami in 2013, uh, which was the first RubyConf I ever attended.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I'm surprised you remember that, but that, that, that makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) I remember we bonded over Vim and whatnot. I was just looking over your blog and saw a wonderful Vim post about leader trees.
1: Oh yeah. That that has been that has been a thing for me for a long time, actually, is maintaining it so that my hotkeys are like a prefix tree so that you never have a conflict as you're like hitting hotkey sequences. And like you also get a lot of compression there, because like the exponentiation of like twenty-six characters is there are many possible combinations after two or three, right?
0: Totally. Yeah. I wish this podcast were still the right place for Vim discussions. <laughs> but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm afraid I'm a I'm a boring business person now. So <laughs> Sh- sure. Ben, do you yeah. even write
1: code anymore?
0: I don't actually. <laughs> it's it's kinda yeah. sad. Actually, like reading your blog is like and preparing for this and like seeing that Vim article, I was like, I'm a little sad that this isn't relevant to me anymore. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. I'm still. I'm, I'm learning a lot of things, which is the the main thing that I like doing. So it's it's still mm-hmm. good. One of the reasons you're here is because uh, you work at Stripe, and I tweeted out saying or talked about the podcast. Don't even remember that. I feel like there's a lot of interesting things happening at Stripe, work wise, culture wise, and not a lot of it filters out into the internet. Occasional there's there's Twitter threads or something. I'm curious, and I figure other people are as well. And so I was uh, hoping that we could kind of talk about some of the interesting things you've seen as you've you've been there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. So maybe we just start there. Like w- when you joined the company, were there things that initially stood out to you that were like, oh, this is a bit different and, and I like this, or this seems this seems smart?
1: Stripe is a was a very interesting place for me to come to as like a, a storied Ruby software engineer. Stripe is kind of on a weird evolutionary branch of the Ruby programming language compared with anywhere else I've ever worked. Very clearly, one of the primary driving factors of that is we're not on Rails. Stripe is like a seven million line Ruby code base built on top of like a bunch of extensions to Sinatra uh, over the years. We believe we have the largest single repository of Ruby code anywhere. So one is just like the sheer scale, honestly, Uh, having thousands of engineers working in a single large code base deploying uh, the Stripe API, which is a large monolith was one thing that stood out to me. The other thing is Stripe does not explicitly hire for Ruby experience, right? So Stripe engineers might be seven years in Java or Go or Python or whatever. I interviewed somebody in Kotlin the other day. The other thing is like Stripe Ruby doesn't always look like Ruby. It can look very clearly like a Java engineer wrote it or a Python engineer uh, wrote it. And so for me, like diving into the code, one of the first things I was like, oh, this is, this looks nothing like idiomatic ruby that's on the code side on the process side a thing i was kind of like shocked by is how much people write and how encouraged we are to like just write english text probably since i've joined i've i've written on the order of a hundred thousand words which is more than i have at any other job i've had as a software engineer in my entire career for example, very early on, at Stripe, I was tasked with digging into like how a thorny system works in Ruby, and instead of like digging in and just like, "Now I understand it, now I can modify it, I wrote a three thousand word document about this how this flows, this is like what the code looks like, this is where the jumps happen, these are the files it's opening, like these sorts of things. Then the magical thing happened. A year later, somebody was like, I'm trying to debug this thing in this system. And I was like, here's a doc I wrote about it, right? And they were like, oh my god, this is amazing. This documentation exists. I really have not written as much English text anywhere else in my career by like orders of magnitude.
0: Hmm. Where did that doc live when you wrote it?
1: Uh, So we use uh, Google Docs and Dropbox Paper very heavily, which are both like fully collaborative document editors. Paper docs are open to everyone in the organization by default and Google docs are restricted, right? And so there's like a little bit of like judgment on on which to use. By default, almost all engineering sort of like documentation stuff lives in paper and is, is searchable. Uh, we have a homegrown tool called Home, which indexes paper and Confluence and Google docs and lets you kind of just like search everything from one search box, which is super cool. I
0: have written longer bits of pros before and documentation type pros and whatnot. And I find it hard to re-find things, even though I'm sure I'm producing a lot less pros than Stripe is. Do you have good success at like finding the things you're looking for?
1: I would say like probably 70% of the time I can find what I'm looking for without asking anyone. And then maybe like 15% I have to ask somebody on my team. And that remaining 15% uh, I have to go ask somebody else on a different team where that documentation might exist and like more often than not there is a document and it's not somebody just like making up an answer on the spot which is extremely encouraging we actually have a processified system for asking other teams things which is called run every team has a runner which is basically tasked for like a week to deal with inbound requests from other teams and that will like rotate amongst team members each week and the home tool that i mentioned also has a ask form where you can submit an ask for other teams that the runner is supposed to deal with and that's all tracked in jira behind the scenes
0: and so is the runner trying to find written documentation to share like here's the right doc
1: typically team members have a good enough understanding of which things other people are asking about that like they don't need to go and search like it's in a hot memory cache right they're like oh you're asking about scaling kubernetes nodes like here's our confluence page on that usually people know the answer without having to like actually dig usually from getting the attention of the runner to getting an answer processes are like it's either less than five minutes or we have to go like invent a whole solution to your question like this is going on our backlog and we'll solve it whenever right it's either very fast or you're doing something novel we have to think about this for a while
0: so i've heard the word uh, work stream used a lot from stripe people but it's not something i've heard from other organizations can you talk about like what what is that
1: i can (laughs) that that word probably means different things to different people within stripe we tend to organize projects into like these conceptual work streams which are like Once we've done all of these things, then this thing will be complete. And then we tend to rank those work streams against each other to decide what we're working on. And we might pick up one or two, sometimes several, depending on their urgency. For example, right now, I am tasked with moving... Uh, Stripe's API monolith from a virtual machine-based compute model onto Kubernetes uh, and then decomposing it such that product teams will operate their individual slices of the API instead of it just being one huge monolith. Those are two separate, like, sort of declared official work streams with separate milestones, and even though they feed into each other, they are, like, logically separated from a work planning perspective.
0: Hmm. Gotcha. So, workstream is kind of a collection of projects that might span teams.
1: Yeah. Yes. Very, very muchly. So, frequently, frequently, work work workstreams will involve multiple teams and and sometimes uh, from multiple orgs. With, for example, my sort of like uh, Kubernetes move, I'm working very heavily with uh, a team within Stripe called Core Developer Services, which encompasses our deployments team and our Kubernetes team. Uh, to be able to make that happen, because there's like customization work that needs to be done on those sides of the project, and so um it's sort of like a mechanism for organizing work that needs to span not just potentially multiple teams but like all the way up to the CTO and back down in the org chart, kind of like pieces of work
0: Can you talk a little bit about how something like a work stream or just a, a larger effort is prioritized and like gets, gets handed down as saying like this is a thing we want to do?
1: yeah so at the beginning of the year patrick and uh dps dps is the cto set some like high level top goals that stripe wants to get done by the end of the year uh and like in there are things like reliability and security initiatives right and then those sort of like top level goals will get broken down usually by leaders within those orgs into these like named defined work streams which will then have a dri assigned to them so like a sort of like another staff engineer in security might be the dri for like a rigorous controls work stream for example right um and so those tend to start from the those top priorities and trickle down we have this concept called a technology priority program or tpp which is like something that like may supersede what any individual team is trying to do from within their own planning depending on its criticality and teams can be brought in and brought out of tpp's as is necessary and a tpp will be composed of several different work streams that are like approved by the folks who are running it
0: it sounds like most of the direction is coming from the top and heading down as opposed to starting at the teams and then staying there
1: That is sometimes true. Uh, Sometimes individual contributors identify work that is of sufficient importance that it then sort of flows all the way back up and then comes all the way back down. Actually, like, a lot of this is a a fairly recent change to how we organise our work. So when the pandemic hit in March of last year, like... You could actually like literally see it in all of the metrics we track. There's this discontinuity in how much volume we're processing and how many customers are signing off and all of that kind of stuff because, as you might expect, the entire world went online. Some of that actually pushed the reliability of our systems like, to their very limits, and the technology priority programs were e- effectively a reaction to, like, we need to focus very clearly on these few things... Or, like, our systems will be stretched beyond reasonable limits and we we may begin to have low reliability for our customers, right? And so some of this is that, like, Stripe has gone through an extremely intense uh, 18 months simply because the entire world moved to processing payments online. And, like, we saw, you know, multiple years of growth effectively in a single year.
0: Mm.
2: Same. <laughs> Derek, do you have any questions you want to throw out there? I did want to circle back real quick to the kind of the writing piece. You mentioned like documenting things a lot in Google Docs or or Dropbox paper. I'm curious what the kind of norms and culture is around like code comments and documenting alongside code. And like, do you auto extract that into like kind of repositories of documentation? Or is it like hyperlinking out to other docs? Like, what does that kind of look like?
1: It depends. We actually have a, a tool that is incredibly useful, um, which will take um, Markdown documents out of our Git repository and spray them into Confluence uh, using like a specific structure. So a lot of folks write documentation in code using Markdown, and then it goes out into Confluence. Actual like lines starting with a hash that are a comment in in Stripe's repo, I would say is extremely variable some engineers do it a lot some engineers do it a little i don't know that we have any sort of like formal practice around that we don't for example like have a doc string on every method on every class in uh pay which is is the name of our monorepo one thing though that i have found incredibly useful is we Make very heavy use of Sorbet, the the Ruby type system that Stripe invented. And so almost every method in our Ruby code base has a type signature on it. And what that means is I can at least tell like what this thing is taking and what this thing is returning, which is intensely valuable. Like that, honestly, in some senses, is better than than code comments because it's it has to be correct, right? There is no formal norm around like code should have this much comments right some people do it some people don't yeah
2: one of the challenging parts with like having a lot of written words around how systems work is like things kind of getting out of date that's kind of the common like (laughs) trope around like documentation it's like constantly out of date so do you do you find that a lot like oh this document was written five months ago it's probably not quite accurate or or how does like the maintenance of that look like
1: One thing is that anyone can suggest edits to any any of our documentation, right? Uh, And so, frankly, when I find outdated documentation, a lot of the time I'm just like, I will just fix this right now because I know what the actual answer should be because I've just been beating my head against this system for an hour. Let me fix my- this documentation for you. One of the guiding principles that stripes are sort of taught is edit the company, which is like if you find things that are wrong or skewed, please like feel empowered to like go and change them. With design docs, a thing that I see is people like are very careful to sort of like date them and potentially even like go back and say this is no longer valid the new thing is over here instead Uh, i have actually done that to multiple documents i found within stripe is like i'm replacing this thing i should go find all the old docs related to it and say where the new thing is right and so there is a culture of kind of trying to keep that very up to date and very crisp the handful of times i have run into documentation that feels wrong i like I will I will typically just go to the author and be like, is this still right? And they'll be like, oh no, you want this thing instead, or whatever it might be. And like, this is this is one of the sort of like wonderful things about having a very open and transparent culture around these things is like folks are generally extremely approachable on this sort of thing.
0: I loved the edit the company catchphrase. Tell me all of the catchphrases, please.
1: Uh oh gosh. Uh
0: <laughs> or just others that come to mind. I love the kind of shortcut of a of a phrase that gets repeated a lot. I think is like really valuable. And so, if if any of those others come to mind, I'd I'd love to hear them.
1: Okay, I'm so gonna get in trouble with Patrick for not being able to remember all of these. Let's see. The front page test uh, is a big one. Do you have
0: much interaction with Patrick?
1: Uh, I have had a handful of one on ones uh, with Patrick since I joined, uh, which has been really good. Talking with him is great.
0: That's surprising to me at a company that size.
1: I know that not everyone who joins Stripe has sort of, like, ongoing one-on-ones with Patrick. Story time. Uh, I was actually referred by uh, Patio11. When I joined, he sent a message to Patrick that was basically like, you should have a conversation with Penelope, she's great. And then we sort of, like, kept it going uh, for a couple of iterations after that. Talking with Patrick is always really fun. Uh, I really, really enjoy having conversations with him.
0: I, I bet, yeah. I'll, I'll, just watching his interviews seems like a, a great person to talk to.
1: Yeah. So we have edit the company. We have the front page test, which is if you are about to make a decision, how would you feel about this being printed on the front page of the Wall Street Journal? That is used as a guiding principle to guide a lot of decision making. I could actually just pull them up right now if you're if you're curious to hear more.
0: Definitely. So so there's a list of them.
1: Yes. Uh, these are called our operating principles. These are the things stripes are like expected to sort of follow and guide. Ah, yes. So users first, stripe second, team third, is a good one. Humility, maturity, zero entitlement. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Uh, wait, wait, wait. C- can you elaborate on each of these, please?
1: <laughs> sure. So, like users first, stripe second, team third, is sort of like the mechanism by which stripes should think about what they're doing. If you're making a decision and there is clearly a right answer for our users, even if it might not be right in this moment, the right decision for Stripe, that is probably the right thing to do. And then similarly, you should do the right thing for Stripe before you necessarily do the right thing for your team. Is kind of how I think about applying for that one.
0: Your your team knows this is going to be a pain, but it's the right thing for the company. So go for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then a big one that, We we get reinforced to us a lot is we haven't won yet, the idea that like success is not guaranteed even for a company in Stripe's position, right? That like we are still trying to do more frankly than we can actually. We are hiring like crazy this year, and it's very clear that we can't meet all of the company's goals uh, if we don't fill all of those positions, and that like we will continue to you know hire like crazy for the next several years. Stripe is in this very aggressive growth phase right now.
0: How will Stripe know it's one?
1: That's a great question. Uh and I don't have a good answer for you.
0: <laughs> Maybe Pat, we'll have Patrick on next.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, Patrick would be able to give you an answer to that question. I cannot. Mm-hmm, fair enough.
0: Okay. Uh, other principles?
1: Uh I'm I'm just sort of looking down the list here. Uh really, really, really care. This one is mostly about. Like, thinking like an owner, uh, committing to doing really great work. So, like, you two have both commented that Stripe produces a lot of really high-quality stuff. We have it sort of, like, reinforced to us a lot that, like, we should care deeply about producing the best things we can for people to consume.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our work, like, big work goes through a lot of review as well. Here, right? Like, trying to do any large thing will necessarily attract input from lots of different people who all like care about doing again doing the right thing for Stripe, right? For example, with some of the work I'm doing right now with this big API move, I've had input from engineers from nearly every part of the company uh, at this point, and that like, even though ultimately my team owns the system and is responsible for making the decision that we've had to have conversations with so many different uh groups of people just to be like is this reasonable does this seem good to you like how will this work for your team like are we going to break anything by doing this i have heard from parts of the company i would normally have no reason to like go and have conversations with and because of that i have like a much stronger perspective on like this is definitely the right thing to do for stripe now than i otherwise would have been able to have on my own
2: that sort of answers my question, but I was gonna I was gonna ask like specifically how do teams stay really finger on the pulse of what Stripe wants or what's good for Stripe as a company.
1: If you're trying to do something, you will hear from people. Anything above a certain size, you will just start hearing about it and then be asked to provide input. The culture is such that input can really come from anywhere. I don't have to explicitly like ping people in documents to get their input they will usually come to me when i like am proposing a big work stream and i will get a lot of feedback much of it unsolicited Hmm. that's interesting so
0: it sounds like there's a like a strong sense of ownership everyone wants to contribute to the thing and make sure the thing is good and there's not like a stay in the lane look i'm the product manager i'm deciding what's happening here kind of vibe
1: yeah absolutely and I, i mean the the other thing is that that relationship goes both ways right so like i don't work on user facing products basically at all some of the work i do ends up implicating the design of apis that product teams can and can't do um but even my team has a product manager attached to it we use product design thinking when we are deciding how we're going to work we go out to our internal customer teams we get feedback from them we iterate the design we like do small betas. um you know all of that stuff and so like similarly like i treat a lot of the work i'm doing as if i am designing a product it's just a product that stripes will consume instead of a product that stripes customers will consume
0: that thing there of soliciting feedback from users customers and actually reacting to it it feels to me like that it's the strongest external signal of awesomeness that is so consistent for me. Like we're we've been part of a bunch of betas, and even publicly released things, and like we've submitted feedback and had it turned around and fixed in like a very short amount of time. And at a company of your size, doing as many things as you're doing, to have that experience of like that wasn't just like a hey, thanks for the report, take it easy, we'll file this away somewhere that never gets looked at. It's amazing as a customer and so impressive uh, as an organization.
1: Yeah, and I mean we hear about our customers constantly so we have a, a friday meeting that patrick and john sort of tend to host and like they always either talk about customers or literally bring customers along to talk to right uh and so the last one of these i attended Patrick and John were asking the customers about their business, uh, and and they ended. and I thought I thought this was so interesting. This is something I have seen them do consistently. Is they they ask uh, what is one thing that you know Stripe could do to improve your integration? I see them do this every time a customer is in front of them. They ask this question. That culture descends throughout the organization, right? That like customer feedback first is a way that. Many, even, even like the deepest organizations within Stripe work. So we have an organization here called Developer Productivity. Uh, it's about 40, 50 engineers. Their job is exclusively to make Stripes faster at writing code. They, on a quarterly basis, email the whole organization with a survey and are like, tell us what's slowing you down, right? And then they use that to prioritize the work they're doing. This culture of customer feedback really does persist through the entire organization.
0: This is such an unfair question. So we have a tiny company, right? The distance between me and our users is, is very small. Like I'm reading all, every support request that comes in. I'm often talking to people and I'm sitting next to our CTO. And so in my ideal world, these things are turning into finished work and shipped features and bug fixes and, and all this stuff like all the time constantly. But it's always a challenge anyway. There's more things coming in that we can to put out at this at the right right time. And also there's this organizational thing of like which ones to pick and how to how fast can we get them done and all that. And so my my totally unfair question is like, how do you do you just care a lot? Is that just like the, the answer is like try really hard <laughs> and try to ship stuff that people want all the time?
1: Uh that's a great question. It's funny, I feel really poorly placed to answer this question, uh, because I don't talk to customers all, all that often. Um my perspective on this from the product teams I do talk to is when asks from customers come in, we are sort of, like, consistently aggregating what the top pain points are and then knocking knocking those ones out, right? And so my understanding is that product work gets prioritized, like, very aggressively based on what we are hearing from our customers, right? The teams that do face customers are like extremely fanatical about this to a degree where like frequently they they will come to me with questions of like can we do this thing our customers are asking for it and i'm like the technical constraints of the thing you're asking for are almost certainly impossible but we should see if we can come up with an answer anyway instead of like apple or banana can we like invent a souffle or something right like is there a way to bend the curve here So, I don't know. Like, I think listening to our customers just a lot is really the solution. And then being able to ship really fast. Distinct from any engineering organization I've ever worked in, Stripe cares about getting stuff out as quickly as possible.
0: How do you do that? Just... Do it, just care about it a lot?
1: <laughs> well, okay, so as I mentioned, uh we have a we have this developer productivity organization within Stripe, which does a lot of work to ensure we can we can move quickly, right? So that is everything from having a really killer CI solution, uh to making sure like deploys are not a headache to abstracting away as much as possible about the infrastructure you're running on. We work in Ruby. Ruby is an extremely fast language to deliver product in, right? Um, There are large pieces of Stripe that are not written in Ruby, but almost all of our product code is. The Sorbet Typer, right, is a really good example of this. We can move more quickly with confidence because, like, we have all of this type information about the code we're writing. Uh, I feel like I can very strongly assert that like the type information definitely helps us move more quickly. We have a QA environment and a pre-prod environment where we can deploy code and test it uh iteratively that like looks pretty much like the production stripe.com. I can go to QA and like test anything I need to test, and like because like I'm deploying just my change into that environment, like everything else feels exactly the same as Stripe, right? And so I would say one of our big secret sources is we care a lot about developers being able to be productive. I think the other part of shipping really quickly is like is it, it's in the cultural DNA, right? Like getting stuff out is considered to be one of the most important things within Stripe. We we literally have a mailing list called Shipped that teams mail every day with new stuff that we've delivered. Uh, and that like that is a celebrated part of stripes culture
0: mm-hmm. i heard an anecdote that there was a maybe an all hands or something and you had recently passed some sort of uh volume milestone that was like everyone was like Ooh, woo, but then some other team had shipped some developer productivity increase and everyone was much more excited that it got more play and more excitement from the team was like about this uh, the productivity win there and then the shipping that
1: I think it depends on who on who's in the all hands. Certainly if that was a tech org all hands. I mean I mean, we recently shipped an improvement where like the average CI wait time went from 20 minutes to 10 minutes, and everyone was like, oh my god, oh my god, that's incredible. We focus a lot on like these small wins, uh helping people speed up, uh, right? Like, even even little ones. Like, for example, the Sorbet uh type checker in our editor experience. Oh, that's actually, I guess, like, perhaps another thing I should mention is we have a team who works solely to maintain a VS Code installation on Stripe laptops to ensure every developer has, like, a a groomed experience. And that team delivered an improvement to, like, how quickly type checking would run. And it's, like, now you get red underlines on things that are invalid in, like, 10 seconds instead of 30 seconds or whatever it is, right? And, like, the accumulative effect of, like all of that stuff is that we can just move incredibly quickly
0: i mean it makes sense since you're a software engineer that your your answer to that question is here are the things that we've invested in that make developers move faster i guess at the end of the day all of this is sort of downstream of the higher level goal of like this is what we care about like we're trying to go fast all the time and so we're going to have we're going to invent sorbet and then we're going to staff that project and we're going to celebrate those wins
1: Uh, Right, and I I would say like if we move to sort of like thinking about the cultural DNA of the organization that we care not only about delivering product but we sort of care about the meta of like can we deliver things that enable us to del- deliver quickly. I think it is not surprising that Stripe has a very heavily invested developer productivity organization. Right, that like there is recognition that in order to ship quickly we have to groom everything about shipping to be able to ship quickly that is really sort of like the mission there and then like cultural celebration like i have had projects of mine where i've actually presented them at all hands because they have enabled faster or more reliable delivery right and like those are the ones that get selected for those sorts of things a lot of the time
2: are there any um axioms around shipping maybe in operating principles or somewhere else like i I recall like github back in the day had this one like it's not shipped until it's fast or something like that i'm assuming that reliability or like resiliency is like a big part of shipping features at stripe (laughs) right but are there yeah.
1: yeah yeah so i mean for us i would say the relentless drums that we hear are like reliable and secure you need to build your products in a way that are reliable so reliable that like people believe they can depend on Stripe in an unbelievably rock solid way and secure in that like if we showed people outside like the true details of how we operated they wouldn't be scared to store their money with us everything from sort of how we think about handling PII all the way to like you know can we actually observe this code is doing the right thing in production there is this like it's not just deliver the product put an API on it and call it done I think actually this comes back to the customer's first principle. Stripe is infrastructure, right? If if you ever hear Patrick talk about Stripe in public, he will always talk about how he sees Stripe as infrastructure. And like inherently, this notion that like we can't just deliver, we have to deliver reliably, I think goes along with that idea that Stripe is infrastructure and people expect that, right? And that that also means like, you know, we have to bill the right amount every time, right? Like billing somebody the wrong amount would be terrifying i would say one of the things we also think about a lot is like when stuff is going wrong like how severe is this and like anything that even slightly impacts a customer gets a lot of attention because like we know those small misses if we don't treat them as properly as we should those could lead to bigger misses that then might be really problematic for us which again comes back to the front page test like these these cultural principles really do bake into like everything we do
0: are there any more of those that you feel are salient you'd like to share
1: I think we've hit on sort of like the big ones fast is actually one of them I'm just scrolling through here yeah uh, fast results make a lot of things better is is how the description sentence for that one reads this is the idea I think capturing that like we want to deliver really quickly but it has to be quality right like we can't just deliver bad stuff quickly that, that would not be good for Stripe it needs to be High quality, needs to work well. Ben, this comes back to something you were saying earlier, where like we do betas and small launches and we test with customers, and like, you know, we we send people wireframes from like the very beginning conceptualization of our products, right? Is like what's the smallest thing you can put in front of someone to get them to tell you what they care about and like how can we make that faster? The other thing is like Stripe products now begin to compose really elegantly, right? So, like, checkout integrates with subscriptions so that you no longer have to write a SaaS billing engine, which I'm sure has been a painful experience for both of you, right? And then we have the the admin console that lets people, like deal like, all of those things, right, they begin to compose. And so, like, it's not just delivering product, but delivering product in the context of everything else we've done, right? And, like, that also enables us to move quickly because those things are rock solid, right? uh i think at this point like running a credit card through stripe is almost boring but like we've built all kinds of amazing things on top of it
0: yeah that wireframe thing i can i can vouch for that as someone who's been in some some betas and or like even like like pre-beta basically um like i've been on a call with someone from stripe who shows me like very crude like powerpoint diagrams basically (laughs) and like do you like a or b and like why or And just solicited feedback at the earliest of stages. And man, it's it's inspiring from the outside.
1: What's interesting, though, is we see that internally as well. You may have heard of this term GPTN, the Global Payments and Treasury Network, which is something sort of Stripe uh, am- is ambitiously moving towards as like, money should be programmable. It shouldn't just be these distinct uh, APIs. When that team was like, OK, to do this, we're going to need to think about abstractions beyond just like each of the APIs we already have they went around every team at Stripe and was like, here's the design we're thinking of, like, here's a theoretical architectural diagram, what potential problems can you see? Before a line of code was written on the GPTN, they went to teams and asked questions about, like, if you're going to be engineering against this, what would this mean for you? How would this hurt you? Like, those sorts of things, right? And so it's, it's like, pervasive Not just when we talk to our customers, but when we talk to each other as well.
0: Hmm. That's kind of like cheating, though. Like, it seems like you're going to end up with like really good products if you do that too much.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we haven't won yet. Uh, uh, (laughs) We'll try very hard, but
0: I was at MicroConf once and Stripe had sponsored it. And one thing that stood out was that um, you sent engineers as opposed to like marketing type people or salespeople. And so I was talking to a Stripe engineer, which was, which was just fun on, on its own. And he asked me something about some Stripe API or something or how I was using it. And I started talking and he pulled out a notebook and started taking notes. And I was like, well, that makes an impression.
1: They they actually ship uh, notebooks to us uh, when we join.
0: That's interesting. For like, like yeah. with that in mind in particular?
1: I, I think just writing things down. And writing things down is again, right? We sort of like come back to these major themes. Like Writing things down. Uh actually, the one I got most recently was so we have this internal all hands conference called uh Convergence. Last year it was called Nonvergence because we weren't actually getting together. One of the pieces of nonvergent swag was like a big legal pad sized notebook. And they were like for you to take notes with as you're attending this. And like it's just like these little touches exist, but they're so consistent. And like Clearly, a lot of care and detail is put into thinking about every little piece of the culture um It's kind of incredible actually
0: yeah it's it's shot through the company in in so many ways, like that
1: yeah you know other other sort of anecdotes I can share. One of Patrick or John sometimes both do an hour with every single start class at Stripe. They spend an hour answering questions from every single new group of stripes that comes in. To me, actually, this is one thing I, that I feel very strongly that I've never really felt any of the other companies I've worked with, especially for of Stripe size, is how accessible uh, leadership is. If you want to talk to Patrick, you can just talk to Patrick. There's no real barrier to that.
0: How would you do that? Like literally, do that?
1: Uh, I would send a Slack DM to Patrick's uh, administrative business partner and be like, "Hi, I'd like to have a one-on-one with Patrick, please." That would be, I believe, that would be all of the process similarly you know they do uh friday q a every week where employees can submit questions and there is now slightly more process than just randomly calling on people there's like a thing where people put questions in and they get upvoted and the most upvoted questions get answered but like fundamentally they're still very accessible right um and like that's amazing for a company of our size that's growing as quickly as we are that like that time is taken to make sure and i think it really shows that like that these things we're talking about are like the things they want stripe to be and they reflect it down to all the employees they can
0: are there other things that stand out to you as wow this is very different from other organizations i've worked at
1: to me like size and speed i've never seen a company that is both as large and still moving as quickly as stripe is um and that like that's kind of surprising. Like, for example, I just ticked over the 50th centile of employees by tenure. I have been at Stripe for 14 months. A company of our size and growing as quickly as we are, new people coming in constantly, and managing to maintain this consistency, this quality, is un- it's unbelievably impressive. I worked at Google previously and, like, the difference in, like, shipping is ridiculous. Just, like ridiculous and yeah i think the other thing is like again we've kind of covered this but like just relentless focus on talking to customers it's very surprising to me honestly
0: Mm -hmm. yeah this might tread some of the same ground but if you were going to go start your own company Mm -hmm. what are the what are the most critical things or lessons that you would you would bring with you
1: write everything down write unbelievably huge volumes of text i think is a big one um i think trying to do as little as possible before talking to people about it is like a very clear thing i have seen work effectively oh say what i'm actually trying to do frequently when asking questions uh and like this literally manifests in slack as well people will ask a question and then there'll be a new line and they'll be like what i'm actually trying to do this thing right cuz like very frequently as engineers we can we can focus far too much on the small problem and not the bigger problem one thing i observe about stripe is that like it's very internally transparent like if you if you really want to understand what another team is doing like everything is just there you can just find it and read it and consume it we distribute a lot of information Every team has a notes mailing list, which is like, as you're having meetings, writing documents, people tend to send emails to the notes mailing list. Uh, We also have an all the notes mailing list, which programmatically aggregates every notes mailing list in the company, right? So if you really want to drink from the fire hose, you can subscribe to all the notes and like get everything. And that will be like sales stuff, like real estate things we're doing, uh, as well as Uh, engineering stuff and then i think the sort of like a thing we actually haven't really touched on at all is stripe or like before the pandemic was doing remote office hybrid very well i tend to like working in offices but lots of my my colleagues tend to like working remotely i think that's super good i think both should be a thing part of being a a company of stripe scale is like we can make that work right
0: how are you doing it well
1: (laughs) um so I think I think sort of in my head, like the biggest things are like balancing um like every meeting is a zoom call, for example, right? There are there are no meetings, even if everyone would be physically in the office, meetings will have Zoom calls attached to them if anybody remote wants to jump in. The meeting rooms have like the nice Zoom hardware, right? That like kind of makes that a thing. And then like the documentation culture, like I think helps with remote employees a lot. Very heavy users of Slack for all of its benefits and all of its pitfalls. I will say this, people are pretty good about nudging stuff into threads in Slack, uh, which I find to be intensely helpful. We also have tooling to extract stuff from Slack into various longer term information stores. So we can use a, a Re- react uh, emoji to like dump a thread to Jira. Is a big one we use and that's in every Slack room, there's no setup there. You just pop an emoji on and it gets d- dumped into a Jira ticket. Things like run where like if you're trying to find information or request something from a team, that is a process, right? There is a process around that. And that might actually be another thing if I was founding a company is like processes earlier than you think you need them uh probably intensely helpful because it's repeatable if something isn't working you can edit the process and then do it without suggesting that i would wholesale copy all of stripes pr- cultural uh, operating principles having them uh like we care about these things and not these things i think is is tremendously valuable right because like i think actually patio 11 was the first person i saw to say this and it really resonated with me um A good cultural principle is something that a reasonable person can opt out of. For example, we move slowly and carefully versus, like, move fast and break things, right? Like, reasonable people can choose either side of that dichotomy. Having those principles means that, like, it's clear about what you actually want to do and who will really fit in here.
0: It should split people. Like, if, if your operating principle is delight users, like, no one will take the other side of that. And so you haven't actually defined something.
1: Yeah, but, like, I mean, if we were to take the Stripe users first, uh, Stripe second, team third, you could totally flip that on its head, right? And that also might be a reasonable operating model, right? Teams are locally positioned to make the best decisions about themselves, then, like, next most positioned to make decisions for Stripe, and then next most for users, right? Now, that's not Stripe's principle, but you could totally see a a rational organization having that as a principle for organizing.
0: So I understand you are uh, getting in some tuple hours at work which is very cool and, and quite a, a a thrill for me personally um, and so I was wondering uh, what is one thing that we can do to improve tuple for you and your colleagues?
1: So frequently display size mismatch uh, can be cause of an issue so like I work on a large 33-inch monitor that pushes, I don't know, like, 6,000 pixels wide or something. And delivering that to somebody's laptop uh, is, like, now everything is tiny. And then, like, the vice versa, like, if they're on a 13-inch MacBook and, like, you know, I have a tiny window occupying only a quarter of my screen, even though they're showing their whole screen, that has been a-, a problem for me in the past. And, like, then I'll use, like, I would say the other thing is operating system shortcut binds like if i command tab it's never clear to me if i'm command if the screen size is exactly the same it's never clear to me if i'm command tabbing my machine or command tabbing (laughs) the other person's machine
0: right yeah yeah that makes sense like a little too immersive on that one
1: yeah that's
0: interesting um okay so for the second one the command tab so we have different modes of like you are sending command tab remotely versus you're you're saving it for for local but it sounds like you might not know especially if you're full screen like which one's on and so it takes a second to kind of realize like am I local or remote. Yeah. Okay. Any thoughts on how to how how to do that better?
1: I guess the closest analogy I can draw is using um VirtualBox and when you're using VirtualBox they have a hotkey which is like uncapture or like uncapture my keyboard. It's like press F11 twice, I think. The idea would be you have that sort of like nice red window chrome that tells you uh if you have a cat like, like like tap command twice and now you're back to controlling your physical machine in front of you or so like some something like that where there's like a known gesture or keybind to be like i'm definitely out of captured mode now <laughs> it's funny now that i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about all of the like little oopsies i've had with uh tuple along the way i work with somebody who is a, a chinese language native speaker and i think it's like control space or command space or command shift space or something some keybind that visual studio code uses as a default thing also is switch language in os10 and so instead of invoking the like fuzzy finder hotbar it's like you just switch to traditional chinese and i'm like that's the plural opposite of what i was trying to do
0: but so on their machine, if they hit that shortcut, it would it would switch languages, right? Like they're using it for that, correct?
1: <sighs> yeah, I guess I guess so.
0: We're just repeating what you're sending, so yeah. I, I don't know if we could have like a we, we can capture your intent. Like you probably don't want language; you probably want this. Like, we sort of just have to, I think, dumbly echo. What yeah, you
1: types, yeah, no, that's that's valid and fair. Uh, but yeah, like the the escape and then the screen size thing are probably the two biggest issues I have.
0: The screen size thing—I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that I we have failed to make it clear to you that we have an answer to this. But the good news is that we have an answer. Uh, so now there there is a partial screen sharing feature. Or at least I think it's an answer. You tell me if it's not. So you can now draw a region on your screen and share just part of it.
1: So that certainly solves the I am projecting a 33-inch screen onto 13 inches. It doesn't solve the other way around, right? Where like the other person's screen is taking a tiny uh, relative amount. Of my screen size. Can you not uh, resize
0: that that, w- that window?
1: I did not know I could resize that window. Mm. You, you should be yeah. able to. Like having, I guess, like a 1.5x or like 1.25x drop down on that would be lovely. So I could like switch to like, just artificially, please, like make this bigger for me. And like some indication that, because like, I actually did not know you could resize a tuple window. I just assumed it was like, this is this big because that's the size of the video, right?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should have it should have resize arrows on its edges. And if it doesn't, that's that's like a thing we should look into for sure. Mm -hmm. At like one hint, I guess, but also like a a zoom option might be nice there up in the toolbar. OK, cool. Well, thanks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of
2: course.
0: (laughs) I I wrote down your feedback because, you know.
2: (laughs) Your newly learned skill from today.
1: (laughs) Tell me tell me you're interviewing a Stripe employee without telling me you're interviewing a Stripe employee. (laughs)
0: exactly i'm gonna go uh, create some work streams
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh fantastic
0: this has been lovely do you have other is there other stuff we should cover anything that like just randomly pops in your head that is interesting and we're sharing
1: well i have a question for both of you oh great um and it's something we've already covered but it's uh what is one thing stripe could do to improve uh, both of your businesses
0: i think you're heading this direction but remitting sales tax would be great
1: Uh, I mean, we have, we have a product for that now. (laughs) I know, I know, yeah. I I think,
0: I I don't know if you, are you remitting it now? I know you acquired tax char. I, I I don't know the status of it.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know a ton about that, but I know there is a tax product now and and things are happening. Like, have you used it? Do you have feedback on the tax product for us?
0: Uh, I don't personally, I think Joel might. But yeah we we signed up as tax jar customers and then you bought them and now i'm 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 not clear what the status of that is but i'm I'm glad to see movement in that space because we certainly don't really want to think about that and it's one of those like classic business annoyances that feels like you're well positioned to take off our hands
1: i i mean it was it was literally one of our top customer asks is like please deal with tax for me so we built and this is the thing right is like tax jar and tax are not actually fully integrated right now tax is a stripe product and then we bought tax jar and those two things are sort of like coming together right
0: okay okay i have have a real one this one actually is is my causes me, me me pain we charge by the seat and as people add and remove seats during the month it generates prorations and even actually on medium or small size teams it creates an invoice that people find pretty commonly very confusing because it's like oh like I thought I had end users, but this bill is for more than your normal rate times end users because of these prorations or it's for less. Or even if it's like sometimes like our annual customers, they'll have like an 18 page invoice because it's every change that's happened during the, the billing period. And so like we just yesterday turned off proration because it caused enough support burden and it's it's so hard to it's it's hard to explain because it's like it's like this is technically extremely correct, like you're being <laughs> billed probably to the like pico dollar, uh, the right amount, <laughs>
2: right?
0: But it looks weird, and it's hard. It's a little bit hard to explain to people.
1: This is using like metered billing, and then you have like starts and stops, and so. Uh, not
0: metered, them? but uh, quantity based. I guess. Okay. Gotcha. And so, and, and like the description, the line items on the invoices are like you know like. Refunding, uh, twenty-five times monthly thing. Like, there's just the, and like here's a negative charge and a positive charge, uh. And so we we just turned off proration for our monthly subscribers, which is because we tend to grow, costing us money, because the support and the annoyance and the like, I'm getting screwed. You're supposed to only charge me seventy-five dollars. Thing was like off common enough. Uh-huh. Uh. So, I don't know. Help. <laughs>
1: Sure. I that that sounds that sounds very interesting and like I will forward that feedback to the invoices team and uh we should have a chat about that.
2: Mine would actually be probably a little bit redundant because I actually just two days ago had a call with the Stripe product manager who reached out. I think I think I made it on a list somehow. I actually be curious to ask him this because he was like I, I end up in a list in a database somewhere for him to reach out to. Probably from I talk about Stripe like every couple of weeks, I feel like on Twitter and random like Stripe employees kind of circle around and like engage in the conversation, which is always fun. Um, But yeah, I just had like a half hour conversation just to talk through my experience with billing because I use checkout, I use billing portal. And I had the opportunity to share like my most recent pain was around proration behavior for annual users very similar to the type of stuff ben's talking about but like right now i'm actually handling those changes still manually so i have SavvyCal will send me an email it like runs a cron job daily and analyzes who's going over and then if someone's on on an annual plan i'm still figuring out like the exact right policy around this but basically like say someone paid three months ago for two seats and then you know today they just added a third person i basically want to charge nine months worth of time for that one person and keep the billing cycle the same. So then in nine months when it renews, then it'll bill for the total quantity, but like make a partial charge right now when they went over. And there's like no way to do that right now in the Stripe UI. So like when I go in and edit the quantity, there's not like a checkbox to enable that specific proration behavior. And so I have like a little script that I run that I just kind of copy, paste and paste my API key into it and like run it. Um, and so that was like a very, I was like, I don't know if you want me to go this detailed, this low level. And he was like, no, no, please do. This is good stuff. So I did. And he seemed very excited about it and said he was going to forward along. So I don't think you have to forward that one along I think he's <laughs> on it. But, you know, but that was fun.
1: I'm curious to sort of ask back to you in the spirit of processification, like, why is this a thing you need to like manually run and like copy paste your api key into is it just simply that you haven't automated it yet or is there like something stopping you
2: yeah it actually started out partially like i was lacking confidence that i didn't have bugs in my proration adjustment stuff like really early on and then i found like i I meant to, to fully automate this a little while back but then found that like actually a, a part of the time people will like add I'll see like five seats added and I'll be like hmm this is odd I talked to this customer before I don't think their team is this big and then I'll like pop in and see that they have maybe misunderstood how like pricing works or they added a bunch of like calendars that like really they didn't intend for that to to happen so then I can follow up manually and it happens just enough where I'm like the benefits of me keeping a pulse on like who's where expansion revenue is happening is like it you know it takes two minutes for me to like click a link and update a increment a quantity in the stripe ui and i i get the benefit of like keeping really a really close eye on what's happening so sure yeah well
1: thanks that's that's actually pretty interesting
2: yeah so yeah. we we had this
0: this thing too we sort of had this problem of like what do we do about annual users showing up mid cycle and fortunately there is that there is a newish feature which is something like in the API something like bill for pending invoice items every x period or something and so we just added basically a, a quarterly true up so that every 3 months we generate a new invoice for anything that's happened in the interim and that has the prorated amounts for the new annual people and so far that's been working
1: do you find with with these annual plans that like you're like adding and then billing on that quarterly cycle or it's like yeah we'll just let you in for like now and then increase the invoice size for the next year or like how do you actually like or is this like a per deal thing like is there a standard term you're using like i'm i'm sort of curious to hear about that
0: that's well we're trying to make that our standard is the quarterly true up because if, if if you sign an annual deal with us on january 1st and on january 5th you add 10 new users to not charge you for a year feels a little wrong But also we don't because we're doing annual. One of the benefits is like fewer invoices, fewer fewer things to process, basically. Uh, So we didn't want to do it every month because then it's kind of just monthly billing, really.
2: Uh, Right. Right.
0: We settled on quarterly as a compromise there.
2: Yeah, I asked around a bit to figure out what my policy's going to be around this, and doesn't seem to be a single like recommended way to go a lot of people said bill immediately for changes which i'm currently doing but i'm that's another reason why i haven't fully automated it because i don't want to write code around this if i may change my like cadence of truing up other people said monthly and then some people said quarterly so i don't yeah i don't feel like i know what the right answer is on this one
1: yeah i i feel like one day we will support all theoretically possible billing models within our products but that is you know like The range of space here is so huge that it's like how do we pick the ones that are most common first and then deal i'm certain that we can deliver this feedback to the right places to get that prioritized in
2: i don't envy the uh what it takes to support all those (laughs) cases either
1: yeah yeah i mean building a billing engine is like a hard thing right it's why we can do that work on behalf of you know say say we deal with 80 percent of all of the problems you have like we can we can do that work right and now suddenly you have to write not the first 80 percent of your billing system how much time is that saving you know hundreds of thousands of developers on the planet a lot and this is one of the things i really like working about at stripe is like we can build products that just reduce the amount of time you need to build a business and i think that's really important and cool
0: are you hiring by any chance
1: Yes, uh, we we are hiring. I I believe we still have four digits of open roles available on Stripe.com slash jobs. If you are an engineer or a TPM, uh, if you email me directly, Penelope at Stripe.com, I can sort of like route you more directly to hiring managers that may be interesting based on your background. The other thing I'll say, uh, I'll put on my other hat for just a second. The call for proposals for RubyConf is open until July 16th. And if you can get a proposal in, that would be fantastic.
0: Any guidance on uh, Ruby proposals that you're hoping to see?
1: We have a bunch of different tracks this year. Um, mentoring engineers is a big theme. Uh, Ruby VM gnarly details. Uh, I know this is not quite the podcast for people who do that, but you know maybe somebody's listening. And yeah, really, if you're doing anything interesting with Ruby at all, I would highly uh, encourage you to submit something.
0: Awesome, cool. Uh, Penelope has been awesome having you on. This is, you were this is yeah. exactly what I was hoping to get. Uh, <laughs> you did a wonderful job of summarizing all the things and and sharing that. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
2: Notes of the show? Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.